Hello, and welcome to the Prizefighters Old School Edition. This would be the second chapter in the series uh, featuring Jordan. Before I get too much into this, uh, I just had a little uh, afterthought from the uh, intro, my intro episode. Uh, some individuals I failed to acknowledge that honestly, without their backing, we would not have, a lot of us would not have been able to uh, really get our start at all and that would be our parents <laughs> like uh for me my parents were the ones who actually got me all of my instruments starting up because i was we were all still pretty young i didn't have a job a lot of my other friends did i should have but i didn't and um you know they saw that i wanted to get into music so they got me the guitar the bass and they helped me get my start with that and amps and they even got uh, they even got us a PA, and um, we tried using that at my house. That, that was too loud. <laughs> so uh, for my first band, we ended up at my guitarist's place uh, at his family's house, and we were able to set up all of our stuff in his room because it was a pretty big room. Um, but yeah, they uh, for all, all of our bands growing up, whether it was GoBot, Slow Sculero, Spetulant, and so on. Um, yeah, our, our parents allowed us to set up at their houses, make a shit ton of noise for years. Because uh, we, as I mentioned before, uh, I well, at least I didn't know about like practice spaces and stuff or that that was a possibility. So then not all of us could drive. So we can just pick up our stuff and take it somewhere. Or I couldn't just, you know, drive to downtown or to St. Paul um from the suburbs you know that wasn't simple that was not something feasible so our parents really gave a our parents really helped us give us a good starting point along with TCU without our parents letting us use their basements we would not have been able to practice been able to get together and stuff and be able to uh, move forward to like Twin Cities Underground and all that other stuff so much respect to our parents for having that patience with us and, you know, having that bit of belief in us and seeing that this was something special to everybody, whether it was the uh, Porter's parents, my parents, um, my guitarist Tony's parents, everybody, uh, even our drummer, drummer from Los Caleros, uh, Ted's parents. <laughs> they put up with a seven-piece ska band for a couple of years. So... Yes, thanks to the thanks to the families. All right, now moving on to the actual Jordan segment. Let's see. So they had just re they had just started uh, recording a, a video series for uh, what was supposed to be some kind of a library series uh, locally here for Saint Paul. I I forget the details, but um, it ended up just being a three p didn't just end up it ended up being a three-piece uh, video series where they did a collection of songs which you can uh, find on facebook on their website theprizefighters.net or just look them up on facebook or instagram and they will have some links to those video sessions it's called uh take threes live at future condo so uh, feel free to check that out um, this was recorded as they were in the midst of doing that um, and I wasn't quite sure when this was going to come out, so I wasn't sure if it was going to be proper promo for it or not. So 
now here's some promo. <laughs> so go back, check those out. Those are great. They have some couple older tracks and some new tracks with the uh, newest lineup. Um, still in the midst of COVID, as you can see, with some masks and stuff and the spacing and everything. Jordan was my first interview. And uh, I guess I'd caught him after they'd been out a little late last night. And uh, I just kind of asked him how the recording was going and uh, what he'd had going on for the weekend. And that's where we pick up. So enjoy. So, but yeah, so it's, it's fun to be like, hey, we're playing together for the first time in forever. And this is amazing. And then also it's like, I also haven't played my instrument in like four months. Uh, this is terrible. And then also really? it's like, wow. we're still trying to get chemistry. Uh, but it's gotten about as well as it possibly could uh, and on that front. So that's, that's great. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know you, how about a little introduction and how you got started with the Prize Fighters? Sure. I'm Jordan, uh, currently the bass player for the Prize Fighters. Yeah, so I don't know, my, my whole introduction to, uh, do you want to go back to like the introduction to ska music or just the Prize Fighter origin story? Uh, let's start with the Prize Fighters origin story. Sure. So that, uh, let's see, so that was in like 2006. So we were playing in Gilbots still at the time. Uh, and Aaron was uh, messing around with some of his solo work, his Lord Grab and Flee. And so he was living at a house. We were both going to Hamlin University. He was a couple of years uh, ahead of me. But yeah, so he had a house uh, off campus and just started playing with his roommate, Tim, on drums and then uh, Matt from the uh, from Gilbots on bass. And so they were just sort of doing the trio thing. And really, I just sort of invited myself over uh, mm -hmm. to be like, well, you guys don't have a, you guys don't have a piano player. So I'm going to be your piano player, mm -hmm. which was a bold move considering I didn't know how to play piano. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I knew enough to do like you know, the sort of like T-Rex style chord shapes. Um, you know, I played some keys in our yeah. old band, Los Culeros, uh, very yes. limited. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I sort of taught myself uh, enough to be passable uh, on on playing keys in Oregon uh, for a handful of songs. Uh, yeah. yeah, so really just sort of showed up and said, I'm in the band. I'm playing an instrument I don't know how to play, but I'm in this <laughs> band. And I think that that sort of set the tone of like what being in the prize fighters was about was like, yeah, you, maybe you're not the best, but you are, you're, you're committed to this band and like a, uh, you're going to, you're going to do what you can to make this band sound awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, you know, from there, it was basically, uh, you know, shifting from keys to guitar because someone who could actually play piano. And I was like, well, Hey, I actually know how to play guitar. Let's do that. And then, yeah, it's basically been the wild card of the band. I think the yeah. only thing I haven't done is play drums, which might even be worse than me trying to play keys in the band. So, uh. 
how was the uh, how was the shift uh, lineup change for you as far as like instrument change for you over the years? Was that difficult or well, I guess you'd done bass and guitar before. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, well, the, the the first shift from keys to guitar was uh, not difficult at all. It was um, very welcomed and joyous because uh, yeah, I, I didn't really actually want to be playing um, keys. I just wanted to be playing in the band. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and then. Uh, switching over to guitar um it was a fun challenge because there's a style of guitar that i um didn't play you know lots of doing sort of lead and stick bass kind of things where you know familiar concepts being a bass player originally um but just trying to go from uh how i had learned guitar and more of like a power chord strummy kind of yeah folk singer meets punk rocker way to think of it almost as you know, an extension of, of playing bass. And that was cool. Um, but I think, yeah, switching over to playing bass was um, maybe like six, seven-ish, eight. I don't know what time is. Um, yeah. Many years ago. Yeah, just that was back in the comfort zone uh, where I felt like I'm, I'm do, I can do the best without, uh, you know, fucking things up with uh, <laughs> yeah, not not being Alton Ellis uh, or Ernest Wranglin. I don't know, man, like, rock steady guitar is so particular and so good oh it um, is seriously <laughs> so much and especially when you're working with Aaron too it's you're going to be taking notes for a good day or two alone mm -hmm. <laughs> one of the things um with being on breaks along this pandemic is that um, you had a chance to do lots of solo writing and demoing for the band and then like you bring the ideas to Aaron and uh, he is like such a certainly wired composer where you know you say hey here's this you know it's this style of so like this specific style you like this is going to be more of like a 1968 sort of you know like uh bubbled skinhead reggae with lots of emphasis on the third beat uh and then he's like okay but should i be playing my guitar like or should i be like or should I go? <laughs> And you're like, all of them. Try and find, uh, yeah. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> translate these mouth sounds to your instrument. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but also, just, you know, as, as we've said, uh, said before, like just trying to uh, nail the intricacies of uh, songwriting and, and guitar playing. It's, uh, in, in this band, it's, uh, it's a task, oh, yeah. um, but it's because uh, you know, Aaron Lee is committed to uh, being as respectful and original at the same time. And I think the goal of the songwriting is always to not appear generic uh, or not fall back on something that could be, you know, sort of like a reggae by numbers approach because, you know, there's that lots of bands out there uh, is sort of how they approach songwriting um where they sort of work with the template uh and so trying to make every song sort of go from you know sort of like I me mean, who doesn't quite work with, within that uh highly structured uh, thing i was like this is the song idea i had and i'm gonna bring it to the band and let everyone do it yeah uh, and then it becomes like so minutia driven and broken down and it's much better for the for the whole uh, the songs come out great, but let's just say there's a reason why this band has been a band for 14 years and we have two LPs. Yeah. 
Yep. You take a long time to write songs because when we write songs, we want the songs to be as good as they possibly can be original and special and, uh, but still, you know, have reverence for the actual style that we're doing by trying to emulate, you know, like, uh, we try not to be referential, but try to still be referential, if, if that makes any sense. Scott memory from from the plea for peace tour was when it was at like the the u of m in some like ballroom yeah i don't know it just it seemed like a really weird place for a show uh and the gadgets were on that bill oh, wow. uh, and that was right at the gadgets were like hey we're gonna be like a mod rock band now uh, without telling anyone mm-hmm. and just being like in ninth grade and just crushed is like my favorite ska band isn't playing any Scott? No. <laughs> what kind of sick joke is this? Right. So you guys have played a lot of shows over the years, um, even backing some legends. Do you have any shows that really stick out to you? Sure. Um, yeah, I think I think my my favorite show the Prize Fighters have ever played was the Chicago Reggae Fest uh, a few years back. One thing is just always nice to be able to do your own set um, at a festival, but then you know being able to to be Derek Morgan's band was just surreal on all levels. And Derek Morgan was one of the towards like the later end of lots of our backing stuff they were doing. So we were used to to backing up artists. Like the the first one we backed up was Stranger Cole, and I remember just like we had completely over prepared. Uh, for that set, like we learned like forty Stranger Cole songs yeah. to present, like oh, what do you want, what? and he was just like, uh, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> and then Charlie Organair, uh, surprisingly, a, a taskmaster on on lots of the melodies, and so we were like really intimidated. It's like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> we worked for like ever, and 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 we're not ready, we're not ready. And then you know, through doing it a few times, it became very much like, well, we know what we have to prepare, and like we're comfortable, we know. The lingo we know like uh sort of the nuances of what these artists are looking for in a backing band uh, and so the night before chicago reggae fest we're, we're down in chicago in like an art gallery that we had rented in our practice space uh, so we're in, so it's great because it basically looks like we're practicing in a punk house with derek morgan uh oh, yeah. <laughs> and so we're having this like surreal experience and it's just like the happiest moment of, of my life. And then he turns to uh, the drummer, Eric and I, during a reggae song and just starts yelling, play the mix, play the mix. And we're looking at each other like, what the fuck is the mix? And he is adamant, no, play the mix. Yeah. And then having to go like, um, Mr. Derek Morgan? what is the mix? Uh, and apparently the mix is that what we described, what we uh, said, oh, 
it's the sublime thing that dun 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 yeah, so went from feeling like this is so perfect to Derek Morgan is mad at me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, he's like, you call yourself a, a musician and you don't know how to play the goddamn mix. <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, <laughs> and so went from this whole like, oh God, this is going to be, this is going to be a disaster tomorrow. He's, he's still going to be angry about that mix thing. Uh, and then, <laughs> then, uh, you know, then the next day comes around stage and He's having a great time. I'm tucked in the back. His, you know, his wife is standing like a few feet from me, dancing and singing. Like the members of Habitat are on the side of the stage, and just like it's the most I've ever felt like I belong. I'm part of this. Felt like there was a presence of the soul all of a sudden. Like life means something. Yeah. One of the few moments I've had that. Um, but yeah, that was by far the the wildest most fun backing show and then just it being part of a festival really and now Hatcat, right and now keith and tex and why not let's let uh, lee perry uh just be lee perry for an hour uh-huh. uh and yeah and r.i.p to tipper was there um yeah. it was a great time second time seeing him nice. um and yeah just like yeah it was just a one of those great days where I was like, I wish I could relive it again. Yeah. I was so excited for you guys when I saw you got signed up for that. And just that <laughs> bill stacked. Chicago has been so nice to us that I am fairly certain that about 50% of the people who know our band just assume that we're from Chicago. So shout out to Chicago. Ooh. Chicago. Oh, yeah. Get some alert next time you're there, too. <sighs> Actually, like, let's not talk about that this morning. <laughs> the number of times Malort has been brought up in the past week, um, <laughs> it's a sign. I'm going to go find some. I, I'm hoping to make it for the uh, the next Slackers tour when they come through. I think near the end of the year or whenever. They're, trying yeah. to, they're doing a solo one and they're doing stuff with the Agrilites in the East and the West. But I think they're doing their own show in Chicago at some point. But. Yeah, I think um, I think they're planning. I mean, don't quote me on this because I really don't know. But from what I've seen, I think they're doing their Reggie's three night yeah. kind of thing, which is just uh, such a good time. And I always fail to take full advantage of those three night weekends by always getting far too drunk on the first night. But. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll uh, that's the slackers. It's slackers, man. <laughs> I mean, if there's not someone naked on stage with an accordion or like a punk <laughs> with a handle of Canadian Miss Whiskey in the middle of the pit, then it's not really a slacker show, in my opinion. <laughs> or uh, the, the, I think a couple of years ago, there was like a fight on the side of the stage where our head like was like throw it through a bottle at someone who was being a dick. It's always a good time. Yes. <laughs> Besides the Slackers, um, you guys also uh, did some over, uh, across the pond touring. I remember uh, some European mm-hmm. stuff a number of years back with a couple of members of the Bishops, right? Isn't that what like uh, yeah, yeah, we Mike? Um, we had them fill out our horn section. Yeah, because uh, our trombone player couldn't make it on the tour. Oh, okay. Yeah, how was that tour? That tour was the most stressful tour. 
I've ever been on, but also probably the most fun tour I've ever been on. I think the weird part is that you don't think that Germany, so it's mostly in Germany, uh, and you're like, Minnesota and Germany are on the same latitude. And so even though you're halfway across the world, everything looks the same. Uh, it just looks like you're driving through Wisconsin the whole time. But yeah, so it was just sort of a nonstop, like no time to settle down tour. Uh, the way it was booked was very inefficient where it was just like crisscrossing the country uh, at every stop. And so it was very much wake up, get in the van, drive for seven hours, load in, play, rinse and repeat. Uh, and we were doing two sets every night. So we were doing our own set and then a set with Charlie Ordinaire. Um, and so it was really cool to just like sort of have that lack of control where like I'm not responsible for any of the booking or anything of the business side. I just get in the van and the van drives me to a place and I play, which was sort of a fun, uh, fun approach because all the other tours I've done, I've done all the booking and I'm the like tour manager for. And so it was yeah. great there, but also... We did like 33 sets in 16 days on that tour. And I think it just like came really easy to burn out on it and not being able to control some of the, like the business aspects was also a little frustrating, but ultimately the experience of being able to play uh, to completely new audiences and just like different types of audiences. It's just like a completely different experience over there. It was sure. so fun. Uh, like artist hospitality, it's like, here's four meals. Uh, here's like, oh, you ran out of beer and backstage, like here's just more cases of beer. Not like, well, I guess, you know, you could use your drink ticket plus like $3 to get a cool flight. <laughs> and just some of the venues that we played were just really wacky. There was one that was like a rec center type building in a public zoo. In a public it zoo? Like, it was, seemed like it was an all ages show, but like, and just, and then someone was yelling about the Green Bay Packers. Just the experience of uh, being able to play in venues that were, you know, like uh, bars that were built in, you know, like the 1600s was just like so wild and uh, such a good time. And you get really good uh, playing every night Yeah, <laughs> uh, okay. for that long. And so, yeah, it, it felt like a really good sort of trial by fire kind of thing. And yeah, I think I think we emerged very strong from that tour, despite the fact that it almost broke the band up. Wow. <laughs> but like what band doesn't what band doesn't have a we went on an international tour and we're all convinced the band was over by the last show and then it's not. Yeah. Close quarters, man. Being on the other side of the world would be that for you. Yeah, since that sounded like it was pretty much practices every day, um, how how have uh, practices been? Uh, well, you mentioned earlier that it had been months, pretty much since you almost touched your instrument or practiced. Um, how has it been the past year with everything going on, trying to connect with all the members and maybe 
you said you've been writing some on the side or yeah like that. i mean to put it plainly it's just sucked really um yeah. because we i mean we we in the past year we got together as a band including this last weekend i think like three times three or four times because we we've been really good about uh you know coronavirus precautions and you know we're not we're not trying to kill each other here no we like each other yeah. um so yeah we haven't had a regular band practice since last since a year ago since last march the last show we played so it's been fun sort of like we got together to do a uh, a video for the virtual supernova fest in june mm-hmm. and that was a little easier because it was still like all right we've been away for a couple months and then we were away for until October then. And then it was like, let's do this 10 year album anniversary thing where it's like, we're playing songs that we haven't played in like six, seven years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so just now it's felt like the first time that we were like getting back to like where we were a year ago. So it really feels like we've just lost a year. Yeah. However, saying that the uh, response from the fans, uh, during this last year has been completely unbelievable in, in their support where it's like, we, we made money during <laughs> this pandemic because we have fans that, that buy things. Um, and I think it's been fun to try and uh, come up with different non sort of live performance ways to interact and engage. Um, like that sounds like total SEO business school bullshit but like it the hands were forced yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it became like well everyone is, is doing like um how, how do we keep engaged with our fans you know without being able to play live for them yeah. uh without you know really being able to offer new and exciting things and it's just it's been really nice to see that uh, you know, even if we aren't out there on the stage we're putting out you know new records that we have uh, a community that is totally on board with supporting us and has really kept us afloat through a year of just sort of stagnation uh and yeah it's going to pay off because um we've got a lot of projects lined up for this year um sort of everything is just sort of built up to an exploded exploding point yeah, uh, and hopefully in the next month or so we can get back to doing practices. I've got my first uh, vaccine in me. Um, nice, congrats! So um, it's gonna be it's gonna be nice soon. We got uh, plans for another LP coming up. Uh, we've got a couple one-off projects that we're participating in. I don't even really want to think about what booking is going to look like, um, but we've got a couple outdoor gigs um, in the pipes as well. Uh, yeah it's just sort of like we're we're gonna focus on what we can control right now which is going to be creating as much good music as is possible and sort of let the other stuff sort itself out yeah because we've spent a year being anxious and worried about things we can't control so now we're gonna focus on what we can that's a great way to do it yeah everybody's been having to yeah figure out the new way of yeah, how to connect with fans and make sure everyone's yeah, still talking because it's so hard. But this is actually my third Zoom I've done this whole time. One, My first one was to 
test for Corona, which came back negative <laughs> way back in December. But oh, when you were like, when you were doing the spit test, thing? yeah, the, look at me go. <laughs> this so doesn't awful. feel awkward. Person I've never met before. <laughs> like, I just like, I don't know. I, I just don't trust. Like, who signs up for a job? Or like, I'm just gonna get on the computer to watch strangers spit. Like, <laughs> May I see your you hands, please? <laughs> uh, um. Well, speaking of quarantine stuff, how have uh, uh, how have you, Lindsay, been and everything? Have you started new hobbies and stuff with all this free time and working from home? Uh, yeah, uh, well, Lindsay, she um, she finished nursing school in December, um, so she's. I mean, that was taking up most of her time anyway. It was just being in school and, and working. So now she is uh, working as an RN. Uh, so it's been kind of weird because like the whole time it's like trying to be all COVID safe and then you know it's like your wife goes to work <laughs> in a hospital uh, sometimes caring for COVID patients and I don't think I ever got it at least you know I've tested negative a handful of times but as far as yeah having like time for new hobbies so much of that was just uh, tied up in schoolwork uh, and me just being quiet during schoolwork <laughs> Played a lot of civilization, let's put it that way. But I did just recently get with the, uh, the future technology of like the late 90s and bought a uh, digital Porta Studio instead of the like old school cassette four track that I've been using. Uh, and so now I'm like, I can record it. 64 tracks? Well, yeah, the eight tracks and then you can have the virtual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, again, like the finest technology of 1999. So yeah, I've been uh, doing a lot of demo recording, both for Prize Fighters and for uh, Your Wealth, which is my uh, other band um, with myself and Lindsay. Yeah. Uh, and our our good pal Corey. Um, oh, Corey, I miss that man. Yeah. So that's uh, and it's been it's been a, a weird time because I feel like my hobbies haven't changed. I've just like doubled down on hobby on like writing songs and demoing and just like not getting a chance to unleash them. Yeah. This summer is going to be wild. It's going to be, I'm going to regret so many things that I'm like, oh, I, all these things that I'm definitely going to do this summer. And then I'm just like, I, I just, no, I just uh, had band practice all summer instead. Whoops. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, that, that's, all, that's all I want right now. Is I just want, I just want to have a full band practice. I miss that. Year. Just give me band practice. Right. That's like I, I will never try to come up with an excuse for like why I can't make a ra random Monday night band practice ever again. Right. <laughs> I miss feeling that bass and my ears ringing after you know the oh man I forgot to put in my uh, earplugs for the hi hats or whatever man that that ringing yeah, I, in my ears would be nice. <laughs> I need to like find my earplugs. <laughs> that would be good. That'd be great. No. But I guess that, that is that is a, uh, one of the benefits is that my tinnitus has uh, has been much better. <laughs> oh, you got it too. Oh no. Oh yeah, no. I've I've had it for uh, maybe seven years or so. Oh, okay. To the point where you know you go to the doctor and they're like, "Well, we can't see why uh, that anything's wrong, and like your hearing is good, so I guess you'll just have to get used to it." Yeah. Uh, I'm now in that part where like, yeah, now I'm just used to it. Yeah. Fucking doctors. Always being right. <laughs> Those jerks. <laughs> oh, yeah. So 
I saw you were at some of the marches and stuff over the summer too. Like you were on the 35 bridge, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Lindsay and I were, um, were at that, like just sort of randomly saw that it was going on uh, and said we should go. Uh, and somehow found ourselves at like the front, uh, just from like where we parked and where the march was going. Like, oh shit, there it is. Let's go. Yeah. So we we were got down on uh, yeah on the thirty five bridge. We were on the, towards the front uh, of that. We were on the opposite side of the road. Um, so this is the, a protest where we took over the thirty five W bridge between downtown and Dinky Town. Uh, over the Mississippi, and a semi-truck tanker uh, ran through the crowd, surprisingly not hitting anyone. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, that was, like, the, the scariest thing I'd ever seen because uh, we were all, like, I think everyone was, like, taking a knee or kneeling or something, uh, and so I couldn't see anyone above the center median, and all of a sudden you see a semi truck coming at like full speed and you know, there's people there. And the, the image I'll never forget is I think someone like threw a water bottle at it, but I just remember seeing someone's water bottle fly like 50 feet into the air after the truck drove by and just thinking, Holy shit. Like, yeah, a whole bunch of people just died. And there was this mad dash off the bridge, down the embankment, like over fences and then there was like rumors that like there was an active shooter on the bridge. Um, yeah, that was fucked up. But yeah, still went out to a couple more yeah. after that. Um, God, yeah, Minneapolis has been uh, a weird time. The studio that we record at is like a block away from the third precinct. Um, and so you drive by that and it's like still oh. bombed out. Uh, and just like lots of the buildings are still in you know half repair yeah uh, but yeah i don't know i mean with the music stuff you know we we try to do our part with uh helping to raise some money and i think it's going to be interesting to see how twin cities artists deal with that once they're able to play more shows to see if sort of this um almost benefit show kind of format that I think it's been really strong during the pandemic is going to continue. I really think that it should. Um, I feel like this is a great opportunity to sort of reinvest in that. God, I'm going to say reinvest in that punk rock attitude. Like forget that those syntax uh, basically just being like uh, every show has a purpose. Uh, it's like, we need to get back to making sure that the you know performances that we do have at least some intersectionality to the community. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I really am hopeful that that's going to continue, at least in Minneapolis. But yeah, it's going to be an, an interesting, <laughs> the, the new frontier of booking.
however many venues are going to be around when we come back, considering, well, I'm glad the hex burned down because fuck that. <laughs> yep. God damn it. Um, I know a couple of people took some bricks. Burned down or not, that was already on the no playlist. <laughs> Mostly it was just the uh, having to wait around to like 3 a.m., to get paid and then the owner makes you fill out like an i9 with your like social security number to get paid and you're like dude this show made like 40 bucks <laughs> he did that i i never yeah. dealt with him directly um i just walked out without getting paid before so yeah, yeah no, I mean, I, there have been plenty of it's not worth trying to get paid shows there so <laughs> um yeah but with the venues you know, like you know, read some articles about like the future of booking and it all seems to really be applying to uh the more high level booking of yes. you know like both arena acts and like small club acts, you know, like your first ab circuits and you know how treacherous that's going to be. But this is like the, like the R level booking uh, of just like local shit. It's going to be like in the twin cities a year ago, you were still booking four months out because yeah. there's just too many goddamn bands here. Mm -hmm. uh, and now there's, I mean, maybe there's less bands now, but also probably there's twice as many bands. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All the bands that broke up during the quarantine have spawned three other new projects that are all going to need to have their debut shows. And yeah, so it's going to be really interesting to see if any new venues pop up or if basically uh, the whole community reverts to uh, like a house uh, show circuit. Yeah, I might have to go back to the basements or something. Right, right, right. which I, I wouldn't mind doing. Uh, I, I love going to the basement. I'm just old now and don't know any of the people who have basements that, you know, they rent and aren't like responsible for owning their basement, you know, right. like, Oh, someone broke something in the basement. I have to pay for it. Not my landlord. Fuck <laughs> landlords. Uh, I'm my own landlord, but that also sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, whether or not you might get burned out of like the rat hole or something, how clogged up the toilet's going to be. I kind of miss it, but I will, um, I won't lie that I'll totally be the old man in the back just because my body can't take that punishment anymore. Right. Yeah. Like I can't go thrash in the front anymore. I would be dead for like half the week. So yeah, I feel like, like all we need is someone with a big basement and like a four bathroom house, you know, like <laughs> just, just more than one bathroom. Oh, that'd be nice. Or like someone who like has, buys a home, renovates the basement for perfect basement show punk houses, and then it's just bare bones the rest of the house, and they only invest in like a full service, full time bathroom cleaning uh, company. You just have sparkling bathrooms, or like the toilets and the gas stations in Germany, where you have to pay money to use them but then when you're done, they do like the whole self cleaning like routine. Okay. That's what we need, yeah. Punk houses with self-cleaning toilets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't wear that shirt today. I almost did. Oh, it's a triple. <laughs> yeah. I got an off-with-your-heads kitty one instead. <laughs> I was wondering about that. Like, uh, I was like, there's a 60% chance that we're wearing the same shirt in this interview. It's true. Did you, have you watched um, many uh, virtual uh, concerts over the past year? Or? Um, I really haven't. And it's not because I'm like not into it. I think it's because I'm so 
jealous of being able to just play a concert that watching a virtual concert just sort of stresses me out to be like, God, I just, first I want to be doing that. Like, even if just, just playing the music, but also just like, yeah, I don't know. It just makes me feel so anxious about being able to get out and play again and kind of sad that like it's a virtual concert and it's just not the same thing. No. It's, it's like watching, you know, like a concert film or whatever, where like, it's great, but like, there's just something where it just doesn't recreate uh, it. By the way, watch my uh, live performances with the Price Fighters coming out in May. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, so it, they haven't really been things that I've been seeking out. Um, but also, I like I feel that way. I'm that way with lots of art that I participate in or create. Is that I don't fully get to enjoy like watching other people do it because in my head I'm thinking what would I be doing doing this right now or like I want to do that yeah you know, it's like the same word like uh when I used to act like going to see plays or something I'd be like hmm which role do you think I would be in this one well, and just started like overthinking and maybe it's a really like self-absorbed kind of thing but it just like when I watch uh, other art happening um, in isolation, um, you know, where I don't have an opportunity to participate it, uh, in it myself, at the same time, I start getting like itchy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I want to be doing this. <laughs> and then, like, you, you don't enjoy it as much. And it kind of sucks. <laughs> um, but, like, some of the, yeah, but, like, I definitely watched, um, like, I watched the Green Room Rockers uh, Parkway sessions. Saw the uh, most of the agrolytes thing that they did, um, and bits and pieces of some of the slacker stuff. Um, but yeah, so I feel like I just can't fully commit to like a whole thing because again, it's just gonna be like at the end, I'm just gonna feel like, well, yeah, you missed the whole I thing. Want <laughs> I, I, I just I, I didn't get the the bass vibrations in my rib cage and. Like, hey, did I eat a bar, see a drink, bump into somebody, be like, oh, shit, you're here too. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, the, the virtual supernova uh, was was great. I, I watched that whole thing. That was great because it was just sort of like a a great introduction to a lot of, of new bands. So, like, things like that, like the, the virtual festivals, um, I enjoy a lot more when you're getting just like a wide taste because uh, that seems like almost like you're going down a well-curated like YouTube rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just give me back my IRL concerts. Yeah. I, I, even, I even feel like like once I'm able to play my first concert, like I could go back and watch every single recorded live stream concert and be like, oh yeah, this is great. Right. Love this. <laughs> just because I have the uh, ability to do the same thing myself. <laughs> I can only get some so long to, alone to the slackers, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Without Nicole judging me too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you going to Supernova later this year? No. Probably not. Um, not out of any disrespect to Supernova, just in the, uh, I'm still not ready to plan on anything happening more than a week out. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. I, w- I thought about it, but yeah, it's 
it's so close and we're mm -hmm. still like this far away from, I don't know, whatever. Another thing uh, is that I've spent the last year, you know, luckily uh, and thankfully being able to work uh, and work from home. Yeah. So I have accumulated a lot of vacation time, which is something new because before every job I had vacation time just meant this is how long this year's tour can be. Um, and so now it's like, wait, I can actually go, go on, on a vacation. Like that doesn't involve being on a tour. Uh, so right now, yeah, my, my travel plans are mostly focused on like, you can do something that doesn't involve music. Nice. And when you travel, so. What do you think you'd want to do with that time? Oh God, I don't know. Go somewhere that has ocean. That I think that's a good plan. <laughs> Away from here for a bit. Yeah, just get out of here. Yeah. Uh, and I guess saying that, you know, who else? Uh, Virginia, they're on the ocean. Uh, so may, maybe. Um, all I know is that everyone I've talked to that's been to Supernova has said it's been an absolute terrific time. Uh, so I'm very tempted to go. Uh, again, it's just... <laughs> Thinking about something happening in September right now is such a strange concept. something the city has been missing as far as like with Gilbots and Los Culeros. Um, we got a really big head start on being able to figure out how to run shows, how to get concerts together, um, how to advertise because of like spaces like the TCU. Mm -hmm. um, do you think, well, it's kind of hard with Corona and everything now, but moving forward, like in another year, two years, do you think that'd be a pretty beneficial thing for the Twin Cities to try and bring something like that back? Yeah, I mean, definitely um, being able to have just an all ages space in and of itself is is great um, and something that this team really needs. Um, but then it's also, as you say, like with TC Underground, it was letting you know kids learn how to run sound and basically do the whole thing, um, which I think was pretty invaluable. And I felt like there was some action on that front before this whole shutdown happened. Yeah. Um, I feel like there was, cause there's been a lot of more like coffee shops and galleries that are at least doing more matinee type shows. Mm -hmm. But again, it's really more one-off and it's not like a, you know, a place that's dedicated to it. I know there's like Walker West in St. Paul, which is like an offshoot of the Walker Arts Center, okay. uh, which is sort of like a community school that's sort of been like the IPR vein as far as just like music industry production kind of stuff and so i think that is a start and maybe like if a place like that had its own venue god yeah i i miss that place all the time uh even though we wouldn't be allowed in now that's all no <laughs> um 
it was just such a liberating uh, experience to be able to like go into the city and you're like at this venue where it's not like you feeling overwhelmed or out of place because it's you and it's like a 14 year old and then like a bunch of drunk 34 year olds like me be like dated on the punk rock scene like everyone is there and like to have a good time and everyone's so excited and then like you go next door to extreme noise and you buy all your punk records and you're like i'm so cool i'm a real teenager and then you go play your rock and roll show next door and all the other teenagers who are there because they have absolutely nothing else to do are like yeah being a teenager rules Mm -hmm. and then like you graduate to booking and playing shows like outside of high school and you're like oh people have other things to do and (laughs) my music sucks yeah Uh, so this is growing up in invaluable uh times though it was uh just yeah just having all ages shows back in general because like even you know like we we would do shows at the red sea like we could do those all ages Mm -hmm. you just you just can't anymore because capitalism yeah pretty much yeah all the bar sales are the only reason they can keep their doors open. yeah yeah how are you gonna do a side hustle in a all-ages venue at all (laughs) (laughs) all the venues are gonna pivot all-ages shows and uh it's a three uh craft house made kombucha drink minimum (laughs) uh so you've been writing some more stuff for your wealth then too yeah yeah uh we had had like a six song EP ready to go last year. Yeah. That's sort of just like, well, do you release uh, a, an album from a band that no one really like knows or cares about in a time that no one really knows or cares about music? Uh, so that's sort of like drifting there uh, and uh, written enough songs for another one. So we might have like a, an album coming. But yeah, that, that band, it's a fun little uh, sort of minimalist dream pop indie rock kind of band just a floor tom and snare because when I demo the songs that's really the best I can do with drums and so why not um but yeah it's it's a a great change of pace for something that's just like mostly based on joy uh, of playing music and not trying to be too technical or uh too like hell-bent on like we need to do something to stand out and be so it's like we need to do something that lets us have a lot of fun while doing it I feel like it's uh, songwriting that I did a lot more when I was starting out uh, as a songwriter okay. um, of just getting sort of basic pieces together uh, and you know, trying to make rhythms and like bass parts that are more almost like drone based kraut rock kind of things and put like a hazy pop spin on top of it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun thing where it's you don't have to try too hard <laughs> and you just focus mostly on just how much fun it is to to be playing and that's awesome oh man it, it's crazy it's been just a little over a year since i saw you were one of the last people i saw or yeah. You. yeah yeah the 14th 14th yeah. it's good to, to go out with a with a positive show like that yeah, thank, thanks for doing that. That was, that was a, I mean, um, the Avian Sanctuary that I volunteer for, that was, all of them came out that were on our shift, and that was all their last nights out too. So huge impact for many people that were able to make it out. Thanks. But, Do what I can. I'm a man of the people. 
right? <laughs> All right. Well, Jordan, um, I haven't got much else here, but uh, hey, it's good to see you. You as well. Thanks for, for doing this. Um, this should be fun. Yeah. Um, hopefully I didn't come off as just like a total downer nag. I mean, like, prize fighters suck. I hate playing <laughs> on the prize fighters. Ska music's the worst. Ska punk bands are awful. Uh, no, That's going to be the opening tag uh, for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, just the, I, the, in summation, uh, I mean, there's a reason why I've been in this band for the 14, 15-ish years that it's been in existence uh, is that it's just a lot of fun to be able to dig into a music that I think a lot of people take for granted um, in its simplicity uh, and really try and just figure out what makes this music so special, so enjoyable, yeah. uh, and and how can how can we do that? You know, with with our spin, um, without being a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's always felt like a sort of this intricate dance, um, and it, it hasn't gotten old yet. And again, it's just it's so great to play um, music with other people that are on the same page. Uh, and yeah, just yeah. When you when you lock in <laughs> when you lock into uh, to a groove after a year of like not doing so, it's just such a liberating feeling, and you're just like, God, I I never want to stop doing this. Yeah, it's aggravating when people say it's it's such a silly genre, but like if you go back in the history of it, it's mm -hmm. rebellion, it's youthful, it's oh yeah, the music of the people, you know? Yeah. And it's like you listen to a Scottlight song and you're like, how can you play the same bass line for like the whole song? And you're like, because uh, I'm not the important feature on this. Like, right. Yeah. It's like, why doesn't this soup taste exclusively like black pepper? And you're like, Cause that's just an ingredient, bro. <laughs> uh, it's necessary. Nice. But yeah. Well. Um, anyway, it's the. Uh, it's been a, a joy and a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to doing it a lot more. Definitely. Well, it's good to see you, Jordan. Enjoy you as well. this. Stay out or relax, whatever you're going to do. Oh, Lou and I are going to go for a walk here soon. Thanks. Yep. Oh, the papi. He said Dudley. Dudley? Yeah, he, he, came, oh. he came in last May. Oh, okay. We, we got him, like, basically the same day that the city blew up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to do this. I, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, me too, Jordan. Take it easy, man. Mm -hmm. Bye. Later.